You're listening to AIB Market Talk, bringing you financial market insights from AIB's experts. Hello and welcome to our AIB Market Update on Tuesday the 26th of September. I'm Paul Ward from our Customer Treasury Unit and I'm joined this week by AIB's Chief Economist Oliver Mangan to discuss recent market developments and we'll give particular attention to the central banks and the impact they're having on interest rate markets. And finally, we'll also look at recent volatility we're seeing in the FX markets. Good morning, Ollie. Good morning. If we can start with the central banks. Uh, last week, we had both the Fed Reserve and the Bank of England increasing interest rates and global central banks are increasing rates in general. Uh, we seem to be wit- witnessing a dramatic repricing of interest rates across the globe. Would you agree? That's certainly the case. Um, I think it's fair to say, I mean, the Fed is leading the, the dance here, if you like, uh, and the pennies begin to drop in financial markets that the Fed under Chair Powell is very determined to restore price stability. In other words, get inflation down to 2%. Uh, inflation is near d- double-digit levels in many economies. And what uh, Powell, I mean, the, the rate hikes were expected 50 from the Bank of England and 75 basis points from uh, the Fed. That, that was priced into markets. Yeah. But what Powell drove home was, you know, uh, we're going to keep at this until the job is done in terms of getting inflation back down to 2%. So, uh, it's fair to say over the last couple of months there's been a dramatic repricing of interest rate markets uh, in terms of what they're expecting on the interest rate fronts and it's taken a number of forms one is a shift to much larger rate hikes yeah so we saw we even saw the reichsbank the swedish central bank hiked by 100 basis points last week um the swiss national bank the fed do uh, 75 the bank of England doing 50 some talk that they could have done 75. uh the second thing then is uh markets have raised their expectations in terms of what we call the terminal where rates will peak at so at this stage you know we're looking at three percent rates in the eurozone now we're currently at 0.75 so there's a lot to come there uh the us markets are looking for rates to get maybe up to about 475 possibly even five percent and in the aftermath of the uk budget there's been a very dramatic repricing of uk rates i mean they're two and a quarter percent at the present time the markets think UK rates could get as high as five and a half to six percent for next year, Ollie. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, thirdly, expectations of rates could be cut next year have evaporated. We're looking at central banks do more, and then the fourth element to the equation is um, markets begin to think it might take a lot longer to squeeze inflationary pressures out of the economy, so rates will stay higher for longer. So even by you know two thousand and five, um, you know rates are still seen as, as above four percent in the UK. Uh, maybe three and a half percent in the US, up around two and three quarters in the Eurozone. So bigger rate increases, uh, higher peak levels for rates, and then on a long-term basis, rates staying higher for longer. And and but does it, does this not increase the risk of recession across the global economy? It absolutely does. Uh and you know, the, the, there's no, I have to say labor markets remain very tight. Yeah. But labor is a lagging indicator. And to some extent with uh economies of full employment central banks are using the opportunity to get this tightening in as quickly as possible while economies can withstand it. But certainly we've seen consistently this year a scaling back of growth forecasts for particularly 2023 and 2024. Uh, I think it's already taken as a given that the UK economy uh, will go into recession. It may already be in recession. Uh, the likelihood of recession in the Eurozone is uh, increasing every day. Yeah. Data will get weaker and weaker. And even the US, you know, which is quite a resilient economy, uh, further significant rate hikes certainly increase the risk of a recession. And you know, the, the Fed in fairness has said, it, it, you know, it, it's unlikely that it can get inflation down, down yeah. without pushing unemployment higher. Uh, 
and okay, employment is at a very, very low level, around 3.5%. So uh, it has to said that there'll be a recession, but what the, the Fed has been saying, that a period of well below, a, you know, a fairly long period of well below trend growth is likely in the US economy. And that's what's required to get inflation back down to 2% over the medium term. So I think the economists are coming around to the view that certainly the risks of a recession in the US are rising dramatically as well. And especially if they go with rates, you know, going from virtually you know, zero all the way up to close to 5%, that's a very, very significant tightening of monetary policy. And further out the curves, we're seeing, you know, rising long-term rates as a result. So things like mortgage rates in the, in the US, which are determined not by the short-term industry, but by 10-year bond yields, 30-year bond yields, have more or less doubled. Uh, and we're, yeah. we're beginning to see a marked downturn in the UK housing market, for example. So there is very much this year a pronounced tightening of monetary conditions and financial conditions across the markets. Can, can I ask you then, Ollie, if you look at the three main central banks in terms of the, the Fed, the Bank of England and the European Central Bank, I mean, how, how do you assess them as you look at them individually? Or, I mean, are, are, are they all behind the curve or are they at the curve? Or where, where, where are your thoughts on that? They're all behind the curve last year um, and were too slow. Part of the problem was they were doing quantitative easing and they had to wind up those programs before they could start hiking interest rates. Um, and that took some time. So the Fed has been playing rapid catch-up in terms of size of the rate increases. I mean, the 75 basis points we saw uh, last week was the third consecutive yeah. yeah. In fairness, the Bank of England, it, it was um, the, the first signal, first central bank to signal we may have an inflation problem here last year. It was the first, it, it raised rates towards the end of last year. It was the first central bank to do so. Yeah. And it's been hiking rates at a steady pace. Uh, the ECB has been very slow out of the ball blocks and has seen as well behind the, uh, you know, the curve in terms of rate tightening. Uh, you know, rates in the US are over 3%. They're over 2% in the UK and they're less than 1% in the Eurozone. So, um, And what does that mean then from an ECB perspective for the rest of the year? Are we still, we, we know we've got two more meetings. I think there's one at the end of October, there's one in December. Where is the market seeing rate increases possibly for, for the ECB during that period? I say we're, we're currently at 0 0.75, yeah. right? Uh, the market is looking for Eurozone rates to get somewhere between two and two and a quarter percent by the end of the year. So, you know, uh, there's another 125 or 150 base points to come this year. And then further rate increases next year to 3%. In terms of the Bank of England, or sorry, in terms of the, of the um, Fed, the significant rate tightening priced in. I mean, we're currently at three and a quarter. We will get four and a quarter by the end of the year and up towards 4.75 by next spring. But so the Fed's are well on the road, road to, to, to uh, completing its rate hike agenda. The biggest issues around the UK. Yeah. In the aftermath of the budget. And there's been a massive repricing of rate hike expectations there. The, the budget has gone down very badly in financial markets. Sterling is in free fall. Uh, and markets think the bank mean, will have to respond. I mean, a marked weakening in sterling adds to inflationary pressures within the economy. Yeah. Uh, so the the expectation in markets is that we get a lot of tightening over the balance of the year in the UK, uh, and the UK rates, which are currently well below US rates, will go above U US rates next year. Yeah, and just in general, Ollie, like all these rate increases we've seen so far, have we started seeing the impact they're actually having on the real economy? There's the it's hard to separate out, out the impacts. Global growth has slowed this year uh, on the back of the surge in energy prices. And the way that works is it hits what we call real disposable income. Yeah. Uh, higher inflation erodes spending power. So we've seen a deceleration in consumer spending. It obviously increases costs for businesses. It creates economic uncertainty. So there's a fall off investment activity. So 
global economies were already weakening on the back of the higher inflation. And then you add that on top of that, the impact of monetary tightening or rate hikes. Now, say rate hikes operate with a lag, it can take up to two years, so hikes and risks become fully effective in terms of their impact on economic activity. Um, so it's a combination of an energy price shock, and I would say at this stage, a financial market shock, that is triggering a sharp slowdown in global growth, increases the risks of a recession, uh, particularly in the UK, uh, and you know has seen that scaling back of growth forecasts for next year. Yeah, okay. Ollie, we might just flip on to the FX markets, if you don't mind. So the US dollar seems to be going from strength to strength against all major currencies, yeah. while sterling has definitely taken a significant hit in the past week. What's, what's driving the current volatility as you see it? Well, there's two factors supporting the dollar. One is that US rates have risen more rapidly than everywhere else. I mean, the US has just done 375 basis points hikes in a row. Yeah. And has indicated that rates will go far higher in the US. So that's a positive for the dollar. I mean, bond yields are high in the US. It's attracting in a lot of uh, flows as a result. The second thing is markets have had a very, very difficult year. Um, we've seen very sharp falls in stock markets, very rapid rise in bond yields, a lot of instability and uncertainty in financial markets, and people tend to flows tend to go into the dollar in those sort of circumstances. Yeah. So it's seen as it's, it's the world's largest reserve currency. So you want to be the most liquid currency, which is the dollar. Yeah. So the combination of those two factors has driven the dollar to 20, 25 year highs, uh, and uh, we've seen you know the euro drop below. Parity for the first time since 2022, uh, or two, yeah, 2002, 2002, I should yeah, say, yeah, years, yeah. yeah, 20 years. Uh, and then Sterling has been clamoring against the dollar, but also against the euro. I mean, if you go back to earlier on the summer, we're down, you know, down on 83p, it's above 90 uh, yeah. at, at, at the weekend and got as high as 92. So that's a massive rise by the euro against a weakening sterling. There's obviously a lot of concerns about what's going on in the UK. I know the black clouds are over the UK economy as I speak, yeah. but in terms of the, the budget that was set last week and, and everything else, like, I mean, how would you sum up what's going on in the UK and the impact on the currency? Panic. Yeah, would you? Yeah. yeah. They weren't in a great state to start with. Yeah. Uh, you have a very high level of national debt. It's about 100% of GDP. You have a massive balance of payments problem. Uh, you have high inflation. And before uh, the Chancellor introduced those measures last week, you had a significant budget deficit. The budget deficit in the UK is likely to rise to over 10% of GDP. So, are, like, I mean, are the UK looking to borrow and spend their way out of a possible recession? Is that how you'd sum it up? Uh, they are financing tax cuts <laughs> by increased borrowing activity. And, okay. and, and the hope that people spend more money. Yeah. And it's, 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 it makes no sense in the sense that the tax cuts are heavily skewed towards the top 5% groups in the UK who tend to save any additional tax cuts, not yeah. spend it. So, I mean, the benefits to, to the economy from the tax cuts uh, are, are doubtful. So what markets are concerned about is how we're going to finance this budget deficit. I mean, there's talk that the UK, this is a permanent cut in the tax base uh, and it'll be there for, you know, for years to come. So the, the, the UK economy, particularly if growth doesn't pick up, is left with a very large ongoing fiscal deficit an already high level of national debt and a big balance payments problem. So as a result, you're seeing effectively a run of the pound, which has fallen very, very sharply in the aftermath of the budgetary measures. So um, there's, I think the markets are taking the view that this is a very risky gamble with the UK economy. Yeah, and I, and I was just thinking myself anyway, like their main trading partner being Europe. I mean, there's still so much to play out in regards to that from what came with Brexit, etc. Um, Okay, that's very interesting, Ollie. And just in terms of the week ahead, Ollie, um, is there anything that we should be looking out to? 
Well, again, inflation data are the most important indicators of the markets at the present time, and we get we get flash or eurozone uh, inflation data for September. And I'm sure the bad news is that markets think that the headline inflation rate will go from nine point one to nine point six percent. Now, part of that is due to the ending or unwinding of big cuts in public transport fares in Germany. Uh, the core rate is expected to continue rising. Uh, and we get inflation data, core PCE inflation data for uh, in the US as well. But I think most focus could be on a further rise in Eurozone inflation, increasing on the pressure or keeping the pressure on the ECB to keep yeah. tightening policy aggressively. Yeah. But I think in reality, all eyes are on the UK, uh, on sterling, how far the currency will fall. Um, and and on the how and will the yeah. bank of England respond? And and on that, just to sum, just to just, just to finish in terms of where you think sterling or where you think uh, the dollar might go against the euro over the next, well, let's just say the rest of the year at this stage. I know it's very difficult to say, but this this policy mix, this fiscal, this balance of payments deficit, rising fiscal deficit, uh, and we'll see what the Bank of England does. But I mean, the Bank of England has been hiking rates at a relatively steady pace. Uh, you know, all the ingredients and the lack of confidence in the markets uh, in terms of the government's fiscal policy, you'd have to think that, you know, pressure will remain on sterling in the coming weeks. Yeah. Even though it's already fallen very sharply, uh, that there's, we saw over the weekend, uh, what we call a flash crash. I mean, sterling fell down towards 103 in terms of cable. The euro rose above, up towards 93p. Now, it recovered as when markets opened for trading on Monday. But you can see, um, you know, the UK currency is definitely out of favour at the present time. Yeah. Okay, Ali, many thanks for the update and a big thanks to our customers, colleagues and listeners for joining us on this week's podcast. To stay up to date with the latest market developments, please subscribe to AIB's Market Talk wherever you get your podcasts. Many thanks. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. AIB NI is a trademark used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC. Authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC. Authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.